0: This world. Podcasts fill the streets. There's up to men in to the cast. The Hardcasters. Hello and welcome to what will prove to be a very special episode of Hardcasters. This is the one we've been waiting for it marries all of the things that we uh i think i i'm not blowing our own trumpet if i say excel at um it's going to involve scott adkins it's going to involve lots of british celebrities that no one will remember or know about and it's going to be the episode where we finally get to pitch our actioned up version of the british soap hit british soap EastEnders. Your guides on this exciting tour into um, really, like, Z-level celebrity is oh, myself, man. Dominic Deplum and the Cockney bartender that is Dick Fassage. Hello, Dick.
1: Oi, oi. Is that how they say it? Is that how they speak?
0: Yeah, that's, how, that's Cockney for hello. It's rhyming slang.
1: Because obviously oi- being, f- being French... I, I yeah. you know I don't really know the cockney very well. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's um it's oi oi means little boy. Yeah. Little boy ahoy. So that's how you
1: greet people. <laughs> little boy ahoy. I remember yeah. when I go into it, when I visit East End London, I'll shout. Yeah, because
0: if like a little boy was stealing from your market, so you go, Oi,
1: oi, little boy.
0: Yeah. And that became Rami Slang for Ahoy. It was prob- probably for sailors, but um uh, I think they use it in the East End now quite a lot. Um, So we are going to start with uh, um, our review, our deeply academic critique of the film Avengement. The Scott Adkins, I would say very down to earth, very grounded, but yet at times wonderfully absurd and just massively violent. Bit of Bit of action, arse. It's 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 a guy and five other men just fighting in a bar for the running time.
1: Just a seedy fight for ninety-two minutes, I believe it was. That's yeah. that's pretty much it.
0: Now, I, I've been telling lots of people to watch this, um, and I have been pitching it as it's it's East Enders meets um, the raid. And I yeah. think for me, I, I think that, that, that sums up. Did,
1: did I undersell it, oversell it? Was that a, a pretty accurate I think, description? I think EastEnders meets the raid is, is is as nail on as you can possibly get it. Yeah. From the fact the the pub which I mean it's it's I'd say there's two main locations, a prisoner pub and occasionally some street-based stuff. Mm. But the main bulk of it takes place in the, in a seedy pub, which is basically like I mean, when you see, you know, the the Queen Victoria pub in EastEnders on mm. on screen, to be fair, that's not a real pub. Pubs aren't like that. They're either basically like a Nando's where you can get a pint or they're really shitty, horrible, horrible places. Yeah, just...
0: awful sticky carpet. Yeah. Like something out of the Lovecraft short story had slithered through there.
1: Yeah, and this is really what the Queen Vic probably should look like in real life. Mm-hmm. It's got shit bunting, kind of hanging off in a really, you know, lazy shit way. There's people on the doors in the daytime, because yeah. people, people who go in there in the daytime are just pissed, you know, people who want to fight and drink, and people like me. And, um, <laughs> you know, there's a barmaid who's literally seen, you know, world-weary, seen it all, and just lower life's in there and there's mm. a bit of sunlight peeping through the window and everything's a bit horrible that's how the Queen Victoria should look like So mm. really it's a more realistic version of EastEnders
0: yeah absolutely and that's why we've decided this is going to be an episode where we talk about uh, he says whether it, it fits stylistically our pitch with with Avengement I don't know so um just very quickly Avengement I think is you know t- there's not a lot of kind of plot but I think that works massively to advantage. its advantage. It's an efficient, uh, mean little Jack Russell of a movie that's just like biting your kneecaps. Um, so the bottom line is that we we open with Scott Adkins looking like, you know, many, many shades of shit, yeah. uh, walking into a pub, just knocking out the bouncers up outside, pulling a shotgun on about five people, some of which are, I think... Obviously, we've got Nick Moran from Lotstock and yeah. lots of other kind of cockney films. We've got, wasn't there a guy from um, This Is England? Yeah, Thomas
1: in... Turgus. Yeah. Um, who's um, kind of in the, Engl- you know, This Is England, uh, Shane Meadows trilogy of TV and
0: films. Yeah, and just a bunch of really good British London character actors who yeah. just add colour and flavour and whatever they're saying, whatever they're doing is... Yeah. It's just interesting. And basically the film is Scott Atkins, uh playing Kane Burgess, is essentially to to describe what he looks like, he's got like metallic replaced teeth, um, heavily scarred face, dodgy eye, you know, uh shaved head. He looks like an absolute motherfucker, like a dog's chewed him. Um and he's basically what what he holds these five people at gunpoint and just explains how he got there. Um, in the meantime, it, it, all the while asking for his brother to show up. So essentially, we, we mostly see flashbacks and we see Kane as a fresh faced young man. And we know for those people that know, you know, uh, Scott Atkins is a fairly attractive looking, square jawed. Ben Affleck-esque
1: He looks a bit like, yeah, like Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. uh, Ryan Reynolds-esque kind of shiny. Yeah. He looks American at the start. Yeah. He looks very American. Imagine
0: imagine if Ryan Reynolds and Ben Affleck had really passionate sex, so passionate it defied physics and born a child Mm -hmm. that's then spent its entire life becoming the hardest man in the universe. That's kind of like Scott Atkins. Yes. You're still thinking about Ben Affleck and Ryan Reynolds having sex. I'm
1: it. actually looking at your drawing you can, <laughs> of it behind
0: you. <laughs> yes, I think it's... I think... Uh, I've just got my pointer out.
1: Why, why um, Bob, Bob Carroll Jesus spit the dog in the background now?
0: They're just Bring watching, um, making sure it's all done. It's all above board. I um, so... What's interesting it introduces and this was my first introduction to this concept of what has become county lines the idea of yeah this is a crime thing so for, for non uh, uk uh, listeners here's a bit of bit of uh, trivia for you um that essentially what happens is london is obviously connected to loads of other smaller towns around the area and what happens is they quite often farm out their drug operations to other people by enrolling or involving kind of more innocent younger people and essentially the, the the scheme is they say to someone if you carry this on a train out of london to your hometown uh, and get hand it off to someone we will give you lots of money to buy a new xbox or whatever but then they mug them they then bring the drugs back to the people that sold that gave it to the kid in the first place but then say well you lost our drugs you now owe us you have to work this off or they can use that as as a kind of um leverage to get other people to to, to do it for them so this basically the criminal operation is designed to do that it uh targets kind of the relatives of people they've roped into their deals and in some cases they they run like drug operations out of their houses Scott Atkins is kind of gets involved in this in an attempt to 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 get in with his criminal brother and and what have you but in his first kind of job um he acts as basically an old woman gets run over, long story short. And that guy gets sent to prison. And while in prison, he is systematically made to look not like uh, a Ban Affleck and and Ryan Reynolds' love child. He is, uh, his teeth knocked out, his face kicked in, um, and he learns to fight and really, and so he comes out the other end, an absolute monster, who then decides to get revenge on his brother, who basically metaphorically threw him under the bus. And that's why he's holding up uh, a pub full of his brother's goons demanding his brother returns, who when he does arrive, is played by the magnificent Craig Fairbross, who has also been actually been in EastEnders, yep. um, as well as Cliffhanger. He's the guy that um, kicks Sylvester Sloan in the head. Um, and then once he arrives, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, not to say there's not fighting before, there is lots of fighting, but that end fight, it's, it's it's not actually, it's not designed to show off Scott Atkins martial arts abilities really. There's some of that, there's some a little bit but um, it's actually meant to be sprue and it won uh, I can't remember the exact but it won a, an action award for best fight scene that that the year it came out. And what I,
1: think... I like about it is it's quite a nice, because like you say you've got all these kind of London kind of character actors <clears throat> there's this kind of you know, kind of line of salt drawn in the pub where this is tension that's ratched up and mm. they're kind of like snarling dogs on leashes all the way through this film and they're kind of snarling at each other and trading insults and you know what's going to happen you know it's mm. all going to kick off but they kind of leave it and leave it and drip free this drip feed and drip feed this tension and you know when the fight comes it's going to be considering what you've seen before it considering hmm. you know these kind of horrible prison fights that you've seen before you know that they're going to save the most gruesome to last which is brilliant because you're waiting for this to happen you know it's going to happen but it's just a tension in the pub it's kind of a, a very you could feel that tension in the film and when it kind yeah. of happens you think right it's going to go off and it is it's it's brutal but it is really really well well shot well really well done very quick, yeah yeah very and violent
0: I- and I, want, I kind of think it's important that, like, I would say to people, so it's not going to be like this intricate martial arts sequence, but it's also, it's not like it's super gory. The, the best way I can say, it's basically a brawl. Yeah. It's stripped down, people go through tables, and, you know, there are some nice choreographed bits, but essentially it's just a, it's a very, actually, in some ways, old-fashioned bit of fisticuffs. Yeah, and I was just really, really impressed with, with it. And I think what also works with this film is it's really funny. Mm. Um, Like I found myself laughing out loud quite a lot at some of the insults, Mm. they sling at each other and just, just some of the timing on the dialogue and what have you. But um, I think really it's such a good showcase for Scott Adkins. Mm. Because not only is he not relying on, you know, Van Dan turns up in a film. He doesn't have to act. He just has to do the slits and does does reverse roundhouse, and everyone's go home goes home happy. And Scott Adkins, I mean, if you've listened to Scott Adkins, any of Scott Adkins' podcasts or interviews, he's very, excuse me, he's very aware of delivering what he what the fans want. He knows that they don't want to see him do a bit of drama. They what I mean, they appreciate it, but they don't, you know, they don't want him to become a a serious actor necessarily. They want him to perform well, but then get to the the kicking. And yet this film, um, he doesn't rely on that. He relies on his performance and the character he creates. And it's a character that you kind of think, I could watch a hundred films of that guy. You know, Um, it's, uh, you know, I know this is high praise. I really do. And I I, I do worry about overhyping. But I think if this film were released in a different era, when there was less an oversaturated market, this could be like a Snake Plissken yeah. kind of level of iconography. He's just a really good character. And I think Scott Atkins is I think, is aware of this. I talk like I know him just from watching him on his podcast and what have you. He He's also very aware that fans tend to like it when he gets very far away from who he is in real life. So that's probably why... Boyka from Undisputed, the the Russian kind of uh, uh, MMA prison fighter who is, you know, super bulked up, massively intense, massively angry Russian fighting machine, Um, you know, as he says, the most complete fighter in the world, is very different to uh, uh, Scott Adkins and... Is a very specific character. It's not just Scott Atkins playing the leading no. man. And um, so I think that there was some degree of, well, let's see how far from just myself I can get in this and really fuck my face up and do all the things you probably wouldn't do to a leading man. And I think it's one of the things that's really elevates it, that it's a really unique character. And again, he's not... I mean, he is when you find out his backstory, but he does some shitty things. I mean, one of the first things we we see him in is he's beating up a couple of policemen who are yeah. escorting him out of the hospital. So we're introduced to him as a as a shit, um, but there's yeah. something endearingly charming. It's literally like someone's let a dog off the leash, and it's gone and fucked up a bunch of things. Like it's like, well, that's bad, but you know, it's a dog. What's he gonna do?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's when you're watching it, it's, it's it could have been. It could have been a, a, a his kind of Statham esque performance. He could have been a bit kind of Jason Statham. Now, not that there's anything wrong with Jason Statham, and we'll no. kind of praise his merits, I'm sure, going forward in this podcast, mm. um, because I like Jason Statham and I think he's got a lot of charisma. However, there's occasions when he tends to go sometimes a bit cartoony and a bit almost like a caricature of himself in some of his films. Yeah. Um, But I think with this, I was a bit worried that was going to be the case. But actually his character in this isn't a Jason Statham's character. It's kind of, he makes it very much his own. And like you say, it becomes quite a 3D, a 3D performance. And, again, there's lots of character actors in there and people who've kind of obviously honed their craft in things like Guy Ritchie films and, you know, kind of television stuff who probably got a lot more chops than Scott Atkins has. But hmm. the way he puts the character into this film, he it, it feels very seasoned. And it feels kind of that Guy Ritchie kind of level of quippiness, quick, quick comebacks and quick shots. But also he's got the presence that actually when he stood in front of these guys you think, actually, he's a hard motherfucker. He's He, he can h- more than hold his own, which I think is, on both levels, is really, really good. Yeah. Um So, yeah, I mean, I also think as well, I know, obviously, we've talked about it before, but I really like Craig Fairbrass. I think, actually, I really like Craig he, he, he could, again, I know he's kind of possibly gone a bit down the caricature route with some of the films that he's chosen, but I think now he seems to have come through that to a point in his career when he's playing very kind of fairly ch- sketched-out characters, and he kind of actually there's almost like a sadness in his performance. Mm. Like in this film, he felt like a hard bastard, but with a sense of sadness behind him. I don't know. I thought I really liked his performance in this. There's not much to work with, but I think he did it really well.
0: Yeah, I, 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 he's someone who I think, you know, he, he was really... At his prime in the 90s,
2: Mm.
0: when really the British film industry wasn't up to much in terms of genre entertainment stuff. It was still making its kind of prestige dramas. It was still making its kitchen sink stuff. But it wasn't, you know, there was no real British action movies.
2: Mm.
0: He was in a film called Bedlam, which I remember had Keith Allen and Elizabeth Hurley in it. And I remember seeing the trailer thinking, this looks great. And basically, as far as I could tell, they were pitching it like Silence of the Lambs meets Die Hard in that Craig Fairbrass, I think, was a cop. And Keith Allen was a serial killer who gets out and holds something to siege. And I just remember an image of Craig Fairbrass with his shirt off holding a gun. But then I remember watching it, and it really wasn't that. Mm-hmm. They'd always cherry-picked bits from the trailer. It wasn't an action film, essentially. Um and obviously it popped up in Cliffhanger and other things, but it felt very much like if he was, you know, if he was kind of at that age now, he'd be making action movies, you know? Um, that's not to say, I mean, he, you know, he holds his own in the fight pretty well, and he's still a pretty big imposing guy. But I just think that really he's, um, the kind of films he would have been perfect for weren't really being made... Um, but I think that's allowed him to 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 grow as an actor because there was a film out recently. I can't remember the name of it. Is the, that the movie. one
1: called Muscle? Yes. That
0: yeah, apparently he's been getting some good and reviews apparently for.
1: He's that he's very and he, again it was kind of popped up on my Amazon um, kind of watch list if if you know recommended because you've seen this. Because um, you've watched all these training?
0: other film about muscly men.
1: Yeah, we <laughs> have <laughs> so many. Um, <laughs> But there, I watched the trailer and I kind of read, you know, read the reviews. And yeah, I mean, it sounds like, again, he's hopefully found a little niche in his his career Mm. when he kind of plays this kind of almost Hawking caricature. But actually, there's a bit of sadness and a bit of depth to that character. So it'd be quite interesting to have a look at that.
0: Is uh, it a film about the small pink wrestling figures used to get? You know, when they used to come in a dustbin, the muscle. Is that what it's about? Is it an adaptation Hope? of those? I
1: think it is, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah I think it is. Um, which, you know, it's been ripe for a film make, you know, all along. It, yeah, really? totally. Let's face it.
0: I've been waiting. <laughs> um, Well, I mean, I, honestly, I know that that's pretty, I know we tend to waffle on a bit but that, and that's pretty quick, but really, there's not much more to say about Avengement other than I think it's um, a really standout movie in a sense that, you know, um, these films, especially, the, you know, this is, the, this is the tragedy of it. Was that Scott Adkins is, you know, the fact he's not doing what Statham's doing, the fact he hasn't got international, not that he hasn't got international people, but the fact he is not in cinema releases, leading them in cinema. I mean, he's been in plenty of, of movies as stuntmen or whatever. He's bizarre because he is someone who can act and fight.
1: Um, I mean, I'll stop you there, though. To be fair, he's, he's probably found that a the right time because we don't have cinemas anymore. You know, no, that's can, a good point. I yeah. don't know when you listen to this podcast, but you know, cinemas, they're, they're, they've gone. They're a thing of the they, past.
0: They've all been turned into training camps for the fascist police force that now runs the country. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, I think he gets to work in an environment where he has a bit of control over how the action is handled. Um, but I think he said a lot of time, you know, the, the thing they don't have is time and money. So a lot of these things are shot fast and cheap. And I think by setting essentially the main bulk of it, as you said, in, in two or three locations, one of which is just a pub. Um, they've managed to make this really finely tuned machine of a film that's small, that is intense, that um, could just be a just be a thriller. But, I, but it has action. I think it's, you know, I think it's a really good action film. And I know it, there's not a lot to choose, choose from, but I think it's like the best, one of the best British action movies.
1: Yeah. I think you know. it's, it's quite engaging as well. I think it, it could, it has the potential. Where you, if you, look, if you looked at the, the synopsis and if you looked at, you know, the trailer, it could be something I'll just throw that on in the background, you know, kind of potter about. But actually I found myself really engrossed in it because it's just a nice kind of, Tense film. I really liked it about
0: that. Yeah, Um, and so if you do watch it and like it, I also suggest going and watching Accident Man, which is um, a little bit broader in comedy, Uh, but it's again, it's it's Scott Atkins It's a British uh, action film set in pubs and you know just everyday streets and roads, and it's really down to earth but very very funny and a bit more, bit more absurd and a bit more over the top, but um, and a bit more martial artsy. But yeah, definitely Benjamin is is right up there. Um, also,
1: we don't have pubs anymore. You know, going on. No, th- pubs have gone as well. Just, just yeah,
0: you just have to drink bleach now if you want to want to get delirious. And what I just say, I mean, I, I know you know, I and this is m- as m- m- more my fault than yours, but I know this this does often become the Scott Adkins appreciation stroke hard on podcast. But I think when you think you know this guy's done a Benjamin and Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. These are not straight action movies. These are interesting, unique, in the case of Universal Soldier, weird movies. Um, and when you then throw Undisputed 3 in there, this guy's top three movies are absolute fucking dynamite. Yeah. And I would say, you know, nostalgia factor aside, pisses on most of the action films, straight-to-video action films we had during the 90s. I mean, in terms of their genuine... They're not like... You don't have to watch them with a hint of irony. They're genuinely good stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, go watch these films. If you're an action fan, go watch them. They're they're good. We are going to break from tradition today because we're going to leave Avengement there, that little rough gem, and just move straight on and put all of our eggs, um, dump all of our load into the east end had to go
1: there didn't you, you had to say that you Had to, you know the eggs in the basket was quite a nice little you know turn of phrase
0: we're gonna spunk all our <laughs> all our jizz in, into the slack jaw of the east enders <laughs> um, Honest, <almighty>. <laughs> <laughs> And then we'll mop its chin. But before we do, just before we go, we're going to force you to listen to our new segment, Elevator Pitch. Cue uh, jingle. I'm going to go first this time. Go for it. Uh, Electric Limbo.
1: Oh, I like it. Okay, right. Um, So um, it's set in the future. Uh, it's set in the year twenty one ninety nine um when everything is, like basically like blade runner um and uh Frank uh Frank Copacabana he's the cop <laughs> that we meet um has to infiltrate a uh a Brazilian um I don't know why they're Brazilian but that's this experiment of a Brazilian uh, crime syndicate Right. um that are smuggling drugs um and running operations um but to infiltrate them he has to go deep undercover now um fighting tournaments are a thing of the past uh karate tournaments are a thing of the past so it's underground um underground limbo games which is Amazing. basically you know it's a pit and um it's just a huge sticks of fire that basically mm. it's a test of <laughs> endurance Uh, But Frank Copacabana uh, is quite adept. He's basically got no spine. He's had his spine replaced with some sort of electric shit um and he can basically just kind of manipulate his, his skeleton any which way he likes. I hope
0: that's a line in the film. What have you replaced in there? We've replaced your spy with some kind of electric shit.
1: Yeah, that is literally the doctor who turns around and says that. Um so essentially he comes through, he 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 wins the faith of the uh, the boss the boss of the underground limbo tournament, Curries Favor with him, takes him under his wing and then he blows this wide open at the end. Um by shooting a mole and um, limboing the fuck out of the film, love it. Cue credits, um, salsa dancing, and um, status quo do the theme. All dressed as Brazilian carnival girls.
0: Have you got a tagline? Because I've got one.
1: But have um, you got one? How low can he go? Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, he's got. He he found himself low, but he could go lower. Something that's like that.
0: It. I was going to say that he's one bent cop. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> but they're both really good. Uh, yeah. How low can you go? Uh, great stuff. Uh, yeah. Electric um, limbo.
1: Now, this, this mine is inspired um, by your food choice uh, that you had at the start of the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which was a luxurious ice cream brand. It so, was it was a um, supermarket owned brand, so not an
0: official one. Mint Magnum. Oh, mint! But but not a real one. Uh, a, 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 um, a, a branded supermarket one.
1: You fancy bitch. Um, yeah. So my pitch to you is Crimey Magnum.
0: Crimey Magnum!
1: Mark, exclamation mark!
0: Oh wow! Okay. Um, so this is. Um, Basically, this is a 70s movie okay. and there was a series of movies starring a kind of um, beefcake, sexy cop uh, who was kind of like James Bond, but worked exclusively in the UK. So kind of like the professionals, kind of like the Sweeney. Yep. And his name was Magnum. Yep. Um, and we never found out his first name. That's all they used to refer to him as. Okay. Um, it was it was a kind of attempt. I tell you what, it was a kind of attempt for Britain to have a Shaft movie. Okay. Only instead of you know blowing open the world of kind of um, uh, which I'm not sure is the appropriate term anymore, black exploitation or exploitation films featuring kind of uh, black leading men only with a with the same old white fucker you saw in every other film. Yeah. So Magnum. Um, and this is the second film. The first one was just called Magnum with an exclamation mark. Crimey Magnum um, yeah. is the sequel. And in this one, he has to um, go undercover in a support group for people suffering from depression. Okay. Right. Cool. So basically the... Um, there's a... Uh, the, the gangster wife is basically suffers from chronic depression and, and Magnum knows that she goes to this kind of help group um, and he knows that he can get close there and so the first time he goes he has to kind of bluff his way through it only he inadvertently signs up to go away with them to a kind of spa where he has to go out and get in touch with his emotional side while dodging uh, assassina- assassination attempts from various spa themed uh, uh assassination attempts Amazing. like um you know uh being put on a traction machine or um you know being steamed to death i'm just naming these are just the, the things that happen in thunderball <laughs> yeah I was say, you're pitching thunderball <laughs> <laughs> it's like thunderball only british but um the gangster's already got wind of this and he leads an assault on the spa and it becomes a siege um, and I just love the idea that at the end, Magnum uh running around in just a towel firing a Magnum and uh, crying as he fires as he shoots. Imagine. Um, who plays him? Oh, um, uh, Hugh Bennett. Yep. Uh, so I said kind of beef sexy beefcake for the 70s. He's just a you know, an out of shape man, but that's has been <laughs> asked for for that. So it's Hugh Bennett as Magnum in Crimey Magnum.
1: Brilliant. I love it. Done and done. I hope you're not too spent, though, after
0: that. Oh, no, no, that's just that's like a warm-up exercise. That's like stretching. Okay, so here we are now. Obviously, there's a lot riding on this because we've been looking forward to doing this. And I'm um, conscious of allowing ourselves to throw any idea on the table and not worrying too much about how it fits into a logical structure. If one presents itself, great. If not, just a series of vignettes.
1: Yes, I'm
0: going to ask you a few questions first, though. I've got a pen in my hand. Um, to make it more official that's not um, a pen is it it's not a pen no it's one of those no it's one of those thick pens with a round end <laughs> you know I
1: fa- uh, i've fallen into this before <laughs> <laughs> okay um so i want
0: to ask you some questions about what what you envisage, mr visage um envisage the the film to be so Let's and again, every answer. There's no wrong answer here. You tell me what you want, and we'll we'll give it to you as uh, think of it as a gift. So, is the EastEnders movie going to be a standalone movie? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be like a feature-length episode of EastEnders, kind of you know the ones where they have like at Christmas where you know a bus crashes into something and it's a disaster or whatever, like that, or are we pitching like a Hollywood version where all the characters are there, but we've recast them with other actors? Oh. Now I know it's like Sophie's choice. Um, but what 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 you know when you were thinking about this movie?
1: I think I think it should be I think it should be a a I think it should be a standalone movie. Yeah, But I think we kind of keep the elements the same. However, like avengement we kind of start chucking a couple of other genres in there as well hmm. so it becomes something slightly different now i think they tried this before i think they did the bbc did where cat and alfie which are the famous kind of east enders couple hmm. went to ireland or something and they it, they basically turned it into a horror film which actually sounds awful however I think we could, we could. I'm not saying horror, but we could chuck a couple of genres in there to ma- to kind of go, oh, and mash it up a little bit. So, sorry, are you saying there is a EastEnders horror film? Is that actually a thing? It was a TV show. They basically went over to Ireland and and went to this haunted village. I think it was called uh, Blue Water or Red Water or something.
0: Cat and Alfie.
1: That's <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is incredible. All right. Okay. Well, that's that's okay. That's as soon as we come off this, I'm looking for it. Brilliant. Okay. So the second question then is Are we bringing, are we, are we staying exclusively within Albert Square? So are we bringing the action world into this location or are we taking the characters and letting them loose across? Are we making it a bigger, um, not necessarily international, but
1: I think we keep it in Albert Square. However, we add elements to Albert Square that weren't there. aren't necessarily yeah. there because we've got some money and we can chuck at stuff at it. Almost <laughs> like, like next to the square, there's another street or there's another kind of you know in district. Like if you if you went levelled up in a video game and you could leave an area and go, oh yeah, I'm into this area now. We do like, that, with like
0: a Chinatown, yes, and and a docks.
1: Yes, oh, it's definitely got to be a dox in there. Definitely. Yeah.
0: My my feeling generally, I like the idea of there being ultimately a siege. Yeah. And essentially you've got a bunch of the key actors hold out in the Queen Vic as there's all sorts of carnage shit happening around the square. Yeah. So I, for me, the film starts in Albert Square and these new environments we've given it and it it the the net closes until there's yeah. people not you know kind of like Sean dead in some respects. I, I mean, where do we start? So, what do you think is the inciting incident? What starts off this chain of events that takes what would normally be, um, you know, people arguing in a laundrette and this person and having an affair with this person who's it, this baby, two miniguns and and you know people fighting with of, broken balls
1: you've chucked something in there which i didn't now you've said it you said shawn of the dead Again, you think thinking zombies i'm thinking zombies but i'm I thinking mean, a play on zombies right so they're not technically zombies
0: drugs a drug that 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 takes away people's cognitive ability souls <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yes it's basically, I reckon, what's happened in this doc. Uh, this, this is this is quick pitch, so no. potted version is this: at the docks, um, and you know at what we. I think what we need to do. We, I don't. I've watched these for about fifteen years, but I'm going to chuck the best of characters that are in this film, even if they've been killed off in the TV series. They're in this film, I think. Mm. So we cut to the docks, um, and this huge tanker arrives. Um, and these kind of shady shits are run, start unloading stuff. And basically, um, one of the, the local Bobby kind of comes on, and goes, Oi, oi, boy, what's in that? And they open it up. And, um, well, or they say, oh, you better not open that. Don't open it, you know. And then basically open it up. And the copper goes in um and there's a bit of gunfire, but what there's something in there that gets blown open, and this smoke comes out. So it's a, it's not a kind of uh, a powder. It's like a, an aerosol drug. Yeah. So you have to sniff it, but it gets like airborne. So essentially, mm. anyone who sniffs it gets turned into this kind of uh, lifeless, soulless thing. But then the the uh, this this dodgy gang, this kind of let's say they're Russian or something like that, who've come off this boat have got to contain it in this area because this this drug is worth a fortune and they want to cover it up and get it back to sea and ship it back out again.
0: I like the idea of there almost being like a quarantine zone, like it yeah. like that was going to shut off to the rest of the world. Yeah. And part of the people in there have gone mad. I like the idea that if you're infected with this stuff, it can be re-extracted. So they're looking to get people who are infected with it and take them back so they're actively trying to hunt people down. Then you've got the few who are um, impervious.
1: There's yeah, there's immunity to it. Yeah, That's where our, our cast come in.
0: Yeah. So um, now I, I, I've got right, so clearly, clearly, Phil Mitchell is our leading man all day long, right? And I like the fact that he's so fucking pickled that. That there's, there isn't uh, an orifice that the the gas can get into. It's literally he's just so boo soaked. It there's no there's no entry
1: point. Now where where do we meet Phil Mitchell? How do we meet? How because I, I think this this is a cold open. So mm. the boat comes to the docks. There's a bit of firefight, mm. and then one of the someone says and goes, "Shit, it's all going down." And yeah. then the credits come up. And then, then we kind of go into meet the character. Then we go into fe- meet Phil Mitchell.
0: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch you Phil Mitchell's opening. We have a low angle tracking shot towards the Queen Vic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We go in, and it's a bit chaotic in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sharon should be back. Yep, and she's tending bar single handedly. Yeah, and there's all co- and she calls up, and we go up the stairs, and we go into this. This we just. Creep down the corridor, Kubrick style. Yeah. And there's a door open and we go in there. And he is sat shirtless. Yeah. Surrounded by bottles. Because in the, in the, I know, this is not the actor, um, Steve McFadden. is not, um, I don't believe he's got a problem with drink, but his character frequently does. Yeah. Um, and so he is in some kind of alcoholic stupor and he's got a picture of his family. Grant Mitchell, his brother. These are two kind of stocky, bald-headed, tough men. I think Grant Mitchell's still left. He's still somewhere else. Um, Peggy Mitchell, played by Barbara Windsor of Carry On fame, the late Barbara Windsor, she obviously died in the series. Is she going to be dead or is she going to be in this?
1: Uh, I think she should be in it.
0: Okay, so he's there sobbing that his family's in pieces. And Peggy's trying to comfort him, but he's not having it. And Sharon's downstairs, and there's this slow build. We cut between him looking at this picture, Peggy's mouth kind of shouting in slow motion, but no sound. Yeah. There's, like, this whine It's louder and louder. as a cast downstairs. And then <clears throat> some kids reach over the counter and steal some money out the till. Yeah. Now, Sharon's so busy, you can't do anything. And she shouts to, to Phil, you know, or she shouts come back with that money and Phil just like his eyes just snap. You know, I mean, I don't know if you've seen dark man recently, but when Leon Neeson has that kind of, there's that yep. montage, of, there's like this montage of fury. And then we cut to what is essentially a, a, a foot chase sequence. Yeah. So he's running, he's got kind of half a shirt on, but he's running barefoot down the street through the stalls. And this is where we essentially explore the geography of yeah. albert square these kids when i say kids they're not children they're like you know maybe like uh early teens and he chased them through so we go underneath where the train goes over the overpass yeah. that takes us into um the kind of chinatown district yeah. and, we've got little
1: uh, alleyways as well they're like very victorian yeah it's like kind of like people foraging in bins and there's wraps running around things like that as well it's gone, we've gone yeah there's some like, people
0: warming their hands around a, uh, yeah. like a fiery bin um that the kids kind and the kids have, they've hired some parkour experts. Yeah. So they're doing the somersaults over it. And he just like crashes over and falls over it all. Um And uh, I like the fact that he's just pushing people out of the way, like, like just putting his hands in their faces and just pushing them to yeah. the floor. Whether oh, they're. We're we, are we, are we, are
1: we, are we having blue language in this as well. Oh, You know,
0: yeah, this is one of the benefits of it, of it um being a cinema release. It is an 18. Um, So they're really, yeah. Fuck, fucking out the way. Like none of it makes sense. Just. They've just said, just swear as much as you can. He crashes it's just, through stores. He's just
1: running through the streets, going "fuck off, <laughs> fuck off."
0: Yeah, just pushing over people. Yeah. Um, and then they basically get him into a, a cul-de-sac. And he thinks yeah. he's gone, but then more come out around him.
1: Yeah, like and, uh, out of boxes and stuff. They're just kind of yeah. crawling out of like sewers and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just
0: had the image like I had a West Side Story, and they're like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we can have a little <laughs> musical, <opener.
0: laughs> but I mean, it's got to be more kind of you know, mod. So maybe they're beatboxing or something. I don't know. Um, but anyway, they surround him, the six of them, and he's like, oh, You don't want to do this. And they're like, Oh, and they're like, Yeah, right, old man, go on a little bit. And they're like, One of them's like waving a bottle of drink and like splashing with it. And he just suddenly gets this moment of clarity. And then we have this is a fight scene, and I think it should be like mortal Kombat level styles of brutality
1: yeah yeah like absolutely.
0: like the, again the tensions building and a guy's like pushing him and he grabs his arm and just pulls his arm out of the socket
1: just yeah. off
0: and then throws it another one um, there's yeah the guy breaks a bottle and he kind of blocks it and just repeatedly stabs the guy in the face with it yeah, yeah. um yeah it's just absolutely menacing can he rip out a uh, like Sub Zero, rip out someone's spine and hold it aloft at the end.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think he's yeah. he, um, one scene as well where because he's so booze sodden, he he like urinates um, on the floor and she just pulls out a match, throws it on the floor, and he just, his trail of fire just fires towards about six of them. Yes. Just burns his, them alive.
0: His penis is a flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so we've got the slow motion shot of him, very red and out of breath. But breathing in slow motion against a wall of fire behind it, yeah, him. yeah, um, and it's on that moment we go dum 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 double yeah, and then we have the East Enders. Um, and it's, is it just called EastEnders? or does it have like an EastEnders colon and a?
1: Yeah, I think it needs a code. EastEnders. It needs a code. How about we title generate? So we do what we've done before. You have a word. I have a word. And we'll mash them together. And just you say it and I'll say it and then see if it works.
0: All right. Savage.
1: Apocalypse. (laughs) There we go. EastEnders. Savage Apocalypse. Yeah.
0: Dum, 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 da, 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 da.
1: On the credits, you know, like it's a, it's a, a, it a drone shot of London where it comes yeah. of London. Instead, it zooms into London and we cut through these streets. But it's yeah. all like, you know, like laser blueprint. So yes. It's all like, and we just fire through them. It's all like really futuristic and the names yeah. kind of flash up on the screen. Yeah. So who are going to be our
0: sort of principal cast? So we've got Phil. Yeah. I think. I think his relationship with booze, yeah. and the wedge that has driven between him, his mum, and Sharon, yeah, I think him and Sharon getting back together mm-hmm. are going to be like the is the B plot, yeah. I think Peggy and his love for his mum is an obstacle, and I think she's got to die in it, yeah. Um, but then so you know we can't not have Ian Beale.
1: Yeah. So basically, to, to, again, to describe this to our foreign listeners, listener. Mm. So, Phil Mitchell, how would you describe Phil Mitchell? Um, uh, he's like a sweet and sour chicken ball <laughs>
0: with a face drawn on
1: it. <laughs> I, 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 that's brilliant. I think, like, if you had Jason Statham, squashed mm. him, <laughs> covered him in Weetabix, and made him a bit red like he'd eaten Weetabix all day and just smothered it around his face that's what if, he looks like that's him
0: um so yeah so i think and ian bill's gonna play the the classic kind of wormy guy who tries to get out by himself and, and threatens everyone but what other classic characters might make their way i think if we stop to explain every uh, uh character to our either international audience or audience who just don't Watch EastEnders, um, we can be all right. Nice. So I'm just going to run with it. So I would say that if if any of this leaves you confused, all you've got to do is just um, possibly hit up iPlayer, maybe YouTube, and watch. You know the last thirty years of of uh, of a TV show that's on five times a day, five is times he, a week, five times a
1: day. Now, now, <laughs> we're in, now, yeah. now, basically, we've got no cinemas or pubs anymore, <laughs> but they just continuously show EastEnders all day long. Yeah, it's, it's
0: just... Basically, it's 24 hours and they just improv it now. They're just yeah. cameras all around the, the set.
1: Um, Phil, yeah, no. Phil Mitchell died years ago. They just reanimate his corpse and just use him just a f- as a marionette. He's in.
0: a full CGI character now, like yeah. George, I think. Um, yeah, sorry. No, uh, yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So Dirty, Dirty Den.
1: Yeah. Because
0: Dirty Den fell in a lake, didn't he? Or fell in a canal. Yeah, right? like Jason Voorhees. So I, I like the idea he washed up somewhere... And has become the head of a crime family, the very crime family that shipped this shit over. Yeah. So I like the fact he's on the boat, but we don't know it's him. So every time we cut, there's on the boat is the gang leader who's sat in a kind of smoky hole in the room, just backlit, yeah, giving instructions. You must find these people, kind of thing, sending the henchmen
1: out. Yeah. Who else? Who else? Nasty Nick. I've got. I've got two two names for you. Got it. So, I think Craig Fairbrass should be in it. Now I'm thinking that he I was thinking initially he should he could he kind of he left under a cloud so he could be the um you know kind of the head head of the syndicate. But what I think we could do is have him as the head of the syndicate, but at the end we reveal it's dirty den, who's really the head of the syndicate. But he's like palpatine. He's like in a chair full of wires and he's kind of like, you know, he's he's really controlling everything.
0: Can he can he be in an iron lung? Because you yes. don't see
1: them anymore. No, you don't see them anymore.
0: So okay, so Craig Fairbrass is on the ship and he's yeah. talking to someone on another country who's running this, and it's yeah. it's Leslie Grantham in an iron lung. Yeah. Um, now while we're, while we're here, um just to keep it automatic, why don't can Scott Atkins be in it? And can be he be Craig Fairbrass's Darth Maul?
1: Yes, he can, absolutely. Because
0: I want to see <laughs> Scott Atkins fight. Bill Mitchell, <laughs>
1: all day long, all day yeah. long. Um, anyway, all, the other name I had for you was uh, Frank Butcher, who was played. Oh, a, Frank by and Mike Reed. Yeah, by Mike Reed. Um, How could
0: I have overlooked that?
1: I think that Mike Reed, uh, Frank Butcher, he was now he was the he was the he kind of owned a car lot. So I think that he's the kind of go-to man who, he's the weapons man. He's kind of, um, he's the one they go to to tool up, I think.
0: He's got yeah. a yeah, lock-up with loads of shit in Yeah, there. Yeah. Um, so, Pat Butcher, how would you describe Pat Butcher to the audience?
1: So, Pat Butcher, if you, so I don't want to be unkind, but I think if you, if uh, Jabba the Hutt went on a Slim Fast diet for a few months mm. and then Attempted to go to a bingo night, stuck a bit of makeup on and a wig. Mm. That's pretty much Pat Butcher.
0: Yeah, if you if you drew some lips with lipstick, some eyes with eyeshadow, and hung some earrings on a tank, like a Thomas a Tank Engine, but yeah, like a, a World War Two tank. Yeah, um, that's Pat. So okay, so yeah, they they've got their kind of um that that on the front they're they're in chinatown they've moved to chinatown and yeah. they're selling um fireworks and stuff out the front but at the back it's all different types of pyrotechnics
1: he's are we've just going that you know frank butch has tried to integrate himself into chinatown um but he's got, got it completely wrong
0: he thinks he's moved to china he's literally moved like a street next door yeah which just is called China. I like the fact he calls it Chinatown. It's got two Chinese takeaways in it. Yeah, and he's he's the one that's gone and hung up like paper lanterns everywhere.
1: Yeah, and he's got one uh, of those big kind of arches that says Chinatown on it. But he yeah. made that. Yeah, but it's not. Everyone, yeah. in the, everyone in the, just walks past all oh, this Chinese. I hates people. him. London's going fucking hell. You've got it wrong. Yeah
0: they're all Cockneys as well. Yeah. Like, what yeah. the
1: fuck's up with that prick? Oh, it's, he's um, franchised everything.
0: He because he, you know, uh, uh, I think a kind of London-y slang term of endearment is right, the old China. So yeah. it's like it's that it's China town. Yeah. But he's just he's ended up making what is essentially an elaborate hate crime.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's basically like <laughs> KFC. So he's the Colonel. So he's on every sign of all these Chinese businesses. Mm. Um, and he's in this, I don't know why, but there's like a blazer on a huge neon sign. And it's yeah. him just pointing like really fast. Um, yeah. You, do you like Biff in Back to the Future 2? Yeah. When they go to the Alternate and it's Biff and it's the Biff Casino yeah. now. It's Biff Co. It's basically all that. It's just the signs of him with a big cigar, just smiling down everything. But yeah. literally he's turned this channel and it's just gone to shit. So he's just he's just this kind of big uh corporate greed bloke who's just kind of yeah. franchised franchise the shit out of it. I like
0: the fact he's neutral ground and both the bad guys and our heroes go to him for help. Yeah. He's kind of playing both sides. Yeah. With his trophy wife, yeah, Pat Butcher. I'm gonna say it now, there's gonna be an incredibly graphic sex scene between the two of them.
1: Yeah. That's how we meet him. It's all yeah. like lit in red and and, and whatnot.
0: It's in a hot tub, but
1: the water's gone out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, there's no bubbles or bubble bars, so it's yeah. just two wet pensioners <laughs> hanging yeah. away at each other. Yeah. So film much returns. We have a bit of drama in the in, in the house. Now Ian Bill is running a calf, right? That's what he does. It's been a while I, since
1: he, he 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 still runs a calf, but I think in this uh, he's he's also franchising stuff out so he's he's attempts to he re- this kind of like Costa Coffee Starbucks empire
0: yeah yes and he's trying to sell coffee to the new arrivals on the docks yeah and he yeah, kinda...
1: because that they're bringing coffee to the docks so he's got this kind of big Starbucks he placed out, yeah. out on the docks
0: and they're like to him oh you know if you see anything unusual tell us first yeah and so he kind of accidentally gets in with them unbeknownst because he thinks it's movies be... now i think also dot cotton who is next to him is um gonna be his kind of conscious like oh no I, I can't do an impression That's, i don't know who that was that was just <laughs> oh
1: no it's frankie howard um i think what we could do with dot is because he's really old and wise so basically when we meet her she foreshadows what's coming yeah So she, ian walks past and goes can i get you another coffee dot and she's blind. So she's got those kind of, you know, um, those eyes that have kind of yeah. uh, the, the, the the pupils aren't there. Yeah. And she kind of looks at him and goes, oh, there's, there's, it's coming. The end of the world's coming. She's got this fag that's been kind of, you know, she's not smoked for ages. Yeah. Um, And she just foretells this kind of prophet of doom.
0: Like the Stygian witches from Clash of the Titans. She's a
1: Stygian witch. Yes. Thanks.
0: So Sharon says to Phil, look. If you don't get your shit together, I'm leaving. So Phil is a bit pissed off with this. He's like, He says to his mum, I've got to keep. I've got, she's the best thing that ever happened to me. I've got to keep her. I'm going to go out for a jog. So he goes out a jog around the square. And while out for the square, he notices some weird shit going on. And there's some muggins, which is normal for Albert Square. But someone tries to mug him and he gets into a, a fight in a bush. Um, and that person bites him. So he punches his face in.
1: Some prick just bit me.
0: Yeah. I think we speed things up. And I like the idea that there is like military have sealed off the area. There's like post-apocalyptic parricades. There are like um, armed troopers at lookout posts aiming in. Now, at this point, first big action scene is Fairbrass and his kind of and he's kind of soldiers who are kind of like, I like think like the, the mercenaries from hard target. They've all like one's got a Hawaiian shirt, one's something else. They come in and they are, they, they've got like a, um, a bullhorn. They're like people residents of Albert square, stay in your homes. Um, and you won't be harmed. And they go around, and they start like tasering people that have got the thing dragging them away yeah. and feels like, I'm not having this in, in my square. And Peggy's like, oh, don't, feel, Stay out of it. Um, And he goes, I can't, mum. And they're like, you can't do this alone. I go, I'm not alone. And he puts in the call to Grant. Cut to uh, an underground bare-knuckle fighting tournament. Yeah, And Grant Mitchell played by the ever-wonderful Ross Kemp. Who is, um, I think, pointed out he's for those people that have seen who aren't familiar with British Vela uh, celebrities and have seen extras with Ricky Gervais, He is the bald headed, um, uh, kind of looks like for us Zippy, but for probably American viewers, like Professor Bunsen from yeah. the Muppets, only with a slightly bigger body. Um, now he's a
1: very mostly fetus.
0: Yes, yeah. He left EastEnders and went on to uh, be in an ITV drama series called Ultimate Force, which we're going to have to do a podcast on the first episode because that is incredible. Um, But anyway, um, and he now makes documentaries where he goes to, like, Syria and gets shot at. Um, So he's in an underground kind of car park, uh, stripped to the waist, bare-knuckle fighting, um, I don't know uh, this kind of ape-like ape like man I'm not saying an actual ape no he's fighting an ape he's <laughs> fighting, fighting an, ape. an ape yeah yeah um, and the call comes in and he goes can Fill? Nigel
1: can Nigel take you remember Nigel they're kind of he, basically their mate who was just he looked he's got curly hair really rubbish yeah. suit, and he was always in rubbish can he be his manager and he gets the call goes come on it's him it's him hang on hang on a second and he takes the phone call like Grant, it's your brother. And I don't want to goes, speak
0: to him. I don't yeah. want to speak to him. And he goes, I think you're going to want to hear this. Yeah. He goes, Give it here. And at the moment, he's still in the fight. And he yeah. takes the phone call. Phil, Grant, you know I wouldn't call you if you weren't serious.
1: <laughs> Can he say, hang on, I've got to get this monkey off my back. And he cuts <laughs> to him. And the monkey's jumped on his back. And yeah. he just kind of like jumps in the air, just smashes backwards and crushes <laughs> this ape underneath him.
0: And it feels like you fighting primates again, and guys like you pissed up and falling out of Sharon again, and they have a chuckle. Yeah. Um, and basically, Grant is going to armour plate his car Mad Max style, and at some point, film, is going to drive it through the barricade um, and make a big entrance. So, I mean, back to Albert Square. Um, so, I think through circumstance, we have our main cast, with the exception of Frank and Pat, all held up in the Queen Vic. Yeah, right. And Fairbrass is kind of, and his men are patrolling outside. Fairbrass like, is
1: just shouting like, "I'm back."
0: Yeah. Um. Oh, okay. Can you give me one other East Enders character that we can use here? Just, just someone who springs to mind.
1: What about Arthur? Or Pete Beale?
0: Pete Beale. So Pete Beale's like, "I'll go out and reason with them," and they're like, "Don't, don't do that. They're, they're animals. No, no. You know, they're, they're men." <laughs> And he goes out and has a talk, and they they execute him in the
1: street. Yeah, blow, but like Robocop style, like they yeah. just blah, blow blah, him blah, to blah, bits. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah,
0: it goes on for far too long. They just squibbed him up, and he's, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he ends up kind of like in the start of Robocop, where he flies back on the model um, of, of Metro City. People yeah. go flies back and lands on a fruit stall, and yeah. they keep blapping away. In and there's like uh, uh grapefruits exploding yeah, yeah. and everything. Like that. It's, it's wicked. Um, and they all look kind of solemnly. And uh, Fairbrass is like, I warned you, it's what waits for all of you if you don't stay in that fucking pub.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: and feels and feel and they're like, What are we going to do? And feels like I can't do this without some gear. And they're like, Um, where are we going to get that from? There's only one place around here. That can get you anything you want, and like no, nah. yeah, Chinatown, and that's where we go to the horrible hate crime that is Frank Butcher's
1: and he, aw- awful
0: I, race racist palace.
1: Can I chuck um Big Mo in there as well?
0: Now is that Gary Oldman's sister?
1: That's the one. Yep, and I think it he basically. He, Frank's got this harem, which basically Pat Butcher and Big Mo.
0: Yeah. Now weren't. So all the all the other members of that were all the younger women, weren't yes, they? There was Cat, Little Mo, <laughs> Medium Mo, <laughs> yeah. um, re- regular Mo. Um, yeah, I don't know whether we want to have them come out in matrixy jumpsuits and. I think fu- we have Cat
1: Slater in it. I think we have her in it. I think she she gets to kind of have an action scene of her own.
0: Maybe she's front of house. In Frank's thing. Yeah. So anyway, they creep out through a secret smuggling hatch back from the old days where they're running away from the Rossers and they make their way, they have to sneak through like this is gonna be dangerous. We have to sneak unseen. So they do some stealth stuff across the the, the street, avoiding the gaze of Fair Brass's <laughs>
1: goons. Can it, can it be just film Mitchell just putting on like various traffic cones, just walking across the <laughs> and just stopping yep. like dead still? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um they get there and like cat's like what there's like i need to see frank butch and she's like no one sees frank not when he's with his women mm. and he's like do you not know us going on and he goes we know but we don't want no part of it and he goes you must see us and she i don't know um he he, he says something to let let get her to let him in and he goes up and he, he gets led up and there is Frank just you know um fucking pelvis deep in pat butcher and and big mo uh
1: oh it's like like someone it's like human centipede basically it's like
0: someone's chucked um the contents of a butcher shop window into a tumble dryer it's just just a swirling mass of meat um and slapping. I'm not going to do the slapping sound again. Don't worry. Um, That's fine. Yes, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, and uh, he's like, what? And so this entire sequence, uh, for this entire sequence, Frank Butcher is naked. Uh, Mike Reed is na- he's naked. And he's like, urgh, urgh, urgh. Um, and feels like, I need some stuff, Frank. Goes, Don't we all? What are you going to give me in return? He's like, what do you need? And he goes, two things. I've got a space in that hot tub for another person thinking about your mum and two, um, and she's there with him. She's like, oh, anything, anything to get us out of this. And he's like, it feels like mum. And two, I want the Queen Vic. Yeah. And so he makes him sign something that if he helps, he gets the Queen Vic. And he goes, "What?" and he opens up these doors and it's just all these weapons. So there we have a big tooling up scene. They get he leaves.
1: I think this is where Cat Splater comes up and yeah. she's like, I'll I'll demonstrate the merch. And she's like Q. So she just puts all these guns together and goes, right, yeah. what do you need now? And she's kind of she's kind of dressed like she's like looks like Katana from Mortal Kombat, but she's yeah. kind of testing out all these weapons. She's like, this is what you need to blow, blow some fucking heads. That's the thing, I like
0: Q, but like
1: instead of like, listen here, Bond. It's like, yeah, all right, Phil, you want to
0: fuck some cunts up? <laughs> Yeah. This might look like a fucking blunderbuss, because
1: it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got knives on it as well. What's this? And just like starts twatting. Uh who's who's really shit? Let's have a you know a shit East Enders who's, who's Minty? <laughs> yeah, Minty's <laughs> like, what's this? And Minty's just he's firing at Minty. And he's like, fuck yeah. off, fuck off.
0: He's like, let's put holes in anything and make Minty's dick look like a recorder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's in the trailer. <laughs> and she just blows him out the window. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so um and he's he's like he looks and goes, you know, we could do we like someone like you out there. And she goes, My days of fighting people in the streets are long behind me. Um and then they walk out and they just see a new addition to the human centipede. And they both sigh sadly. So Phil um, gets back to the pub. And uh, now Ian Beale is like kind of carrying like Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings next to
1: Craig Fairbrass. And he, uh, he's basically just ratted everyone out, hasn't he? He's yeah. Complete slime bowl.
0: Now it's at this point that Phil realizes when he gets back that Sharon has caught. The disease or the gas or whatever. And um, he's like, I'm so, whoever someone else in there's like, I'm sorry, Phil. We had to tie her up. And he goes, Don't worry. But then Fay Brass is like, oh, uh, then then Ian Bill comes in to negotiate, sees Sharon, runs straight out and tells Fairbrass. And Fairbrass is like, You gotta hand her over, or we're coming in to get her. Um, there's there's one of us, there's, there's many of us, and only one of you. And he goes, There's not one of them. And he, he kind of pauses for a minute as if he can hear something far away. He goes, Oh, no, there fucking ain't. And that's where the barricade explodes. And, uh, you know, basically a car with corrugated metal and fence panels stapled to it comes in, barrel rolls through the park, explodes, and out of the fire, like the Terminator, um, steps Grant Mitchell.
1: Yeah,
0: he's like, all right, boys, and he just starts opening fire. Um, some big Verhoeven squibs, yeah, um, going. Um, and he runs in slow motion as Fairbrass returns fire as to some of his men, and there's there's gunfire go off, and he leaps through the window of the Queen Vic, um, and they all duck, and then like the Queen Vic gets shot up, yeah, kind of assault (laughs) from Precinct Thirteen style,
1: and um. Can there be a bit as well where Favros has got this canister of this stuff and he goes, right, you can fight your own. And he pulls the top off just throws it. And basically all the inhabitants of most of the cast of EastEnders get turned into zombies. Yeah. So Phil Mitchell barrels up to the roof and they're all chasing him. And it's just a montage of Phil Mitchell punching zombie characters from EastEnders off the Queen Vic roof for like yeah. five minutes, just like uppercutting them and just yeah. just knocking them off.
0: Yeah, like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> when you're on yeah. the bridge and they all yeah. they fall down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they and they somehow land on the fence, like around the park. So they're like, yeah. lined up. Um,
1: Sonia's like, there with her trumpet. He just like punches through her trumpet right through her head. Yeah, have that. <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to do that. Trumpet cunt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and as she falls. She screams, but it, a scream comes through the trumpet as a trumpet uh, noise. Just like, ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, And then uh, Phil Mitchell gets back down. Grant has, meanwhile, been laying down covering fire. Yeah. And he's like, we're low on ammo. They're going to be coming in soon. And uh, so Fairbrass and his goons rush the Queen Vic. At that point, Kat Slater turns up. Mm-hmm. going, I couldn't abandon you. She's got some weapons and she starts doing some Kung Fu shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is where we go into the finale. So clearly, I th- I think, oh man, see, as much as I want to see Scott Atkins fight Phil Mitchell, I think we've set up that Fairbrass has got to fight Phil Mitchell in terms of to get the satisfaction. Yeah. Right? So then <clears throat> Ross Kemp and Scott Adkins go at it yeah um, and so okay so Scott Adkins and Ross Kemp fight on the roof of the Queen Vic which is now on fire
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: Fairbrass has gone is running back to the boat Phil Mitchell has given chase and they're going to fight on the docks with like chains wrapped around their hands they're just yeah. whipping each other with chains and that means Cat is going to kick the shit out of Ian Bill
1: yeah which is literally just stamp on him
0: that's yeah, every time we cut back, you know, in the Avengers where the Hulk gets hold of Loki, yeah, it's gonna be like that to the point where they've just given uh, the actress who plays Cats Slater, I can't remember her name, uh, a dummy with an Ian Bill mask on, just, just just throw it around at the set and we'll film it from a distance.
1: Would she, <laughs> could Cats later fight like a, a Craig Fairbairn's got like a mole? Uh, yeah, so like, who, who could be casting that? We could chuck a new character in here.
0: Um, how about Kerry Katona from Atomic Kitten?
1: Yeah, yeah, just All right.
0: plucking that. Or no, so I think someone, someone like that, or like Jodie Marsh or something.
1: Jodie Marsh, because she yeah, didn't she broke up recently, didn't she? Didn't she do bodybuilding stuff now? Yes, I think she did. So she could be like, yeah, she could be like some sort of Amazon kind of, you know, yeah, gangster woman. And she's like, let's fucking have it later.
0: She's got, Johnny Marsh has got two swords. Yeah. And Cat Slater's got like a, a staff with a blade on the end and they have a proper yeah. fight. And Ian Bill watches. I mean, he's covered in blood, but he watches and he gets a, a little erection. And he's like, yeah.
1: oh. And, <laughs> and they, quite... say, they both spot it. And then just for a minute, team up just to just just pick him while he's on the floor.
0: hey what you know in um, Day of the Dead, where the guy at the end gets ripped apart by zombies. Yeah, the idea that, that she gets hold of his wrists and Jodie Marsh gets hold of his ankles and they just tear him in two. Yeah, um, and just toss him away like he's a chicken wing, um, and he just we just have a screaming face <laughs> of Ian Bill. Um, so they're fighting while the queen wicks on fire, Ross Kemp is up top. And basically Ross Kemp is like, just like waving his fist like that. And every time we come at to Scott Atkins, Scott Atkins do like a triple somersault kick into yeah. Ross Kemp's face. Um, but obviously Ross Kemp is going to come out on top. So he dodges and Scott Atkins gets impaled on a weather vane and just spins around in the wind. Brilliant. Um, and then, I think Ross Kemp pulls out a walkie-talkie, like a massive one out of nowhere, and he's talking to... Because they don't have mobile phones. He's talking to Phil Mitchell who's got a, uh, another big one. He's like, where are you guys? Uh, I'm fighting Craig Fairbrass at the docks. Um, but he's gone inside in the butt. I'm following it in. He goes, we've got a problem. There's more zombies. I think the only... But we've they're all in the Queen Vic. I think the only way to cure this is to blow the Vic and Phil is like, fuck it. It, it. Frank Butcher owns it now anyway. So um, just as I think Grant puts loads of explosives around the Queen Vic and runs out.
1: Now, I Pat- think Grant or Phil spot half of Ian Bill and he's still alive somehow. Yeah. He's like, help me, Phil. Phil, yeah. just goes, I'll help you. I'll help you go into the pub if you want. Picks him up, shoves a load of um, explosives in him and just throws him at the pub.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then as, and so Grant Mitchell's running away from the pub as it explodes. Yeah. Phil Mitchell tracks um, Fairbrass down onto the boat. They're both in like the cargo hold Yeah. stripped to the waist, sweaty, covered in blood, fighting bare knuckle. And on a big computer screen, we get Dirty Dense face come up. Um. And I don't even know whether Phil Mitchell ever met Dirty Den, he wouldn't have, would he?
1: But I because but he he's, I think he's aware of him because he was Sharon's dad, so he could he could come on the screen and he had, I think he had a catchphrase like "hello princess," so he says yeah. that. And yeah. Phil Mitchell stops and looks up, and then as he stops, Fairbrass just swats him right in the face. Yes. Yeah.
0: And uh, um, then okay, so yeah, Phil Mitchell was about to die, and then Sharon has wandered onto the boat, and she's slightly spaced out by the whole gas thing. And then Dirty Den's like, Oh, it is you, Princess. And Sharon's like going mad. He's like, What have I done? And um, he goes, this has been a mistake. And he he uh he's got like a little pipe thing that he blows into various things. And Fairbrass notices this uh, and goes, Oh no. And basically, Dirty Den activates a remote control bomb on the boat, and Phil Mitchell just Uppercuts Fairbrass in the balls, runs off the boat. Sharon's a lost chaos at this point. Yeah. Um, dives off the boat as it explodes. Um, and basically, we're in the smoldering ruins of the Queen Vicks exploded, the docks have exploded. I
1: quite like the fact as well, these kind of cranes, like, that have kind of, uh, these kind of uh, containers <laughs> that are on cranes, but this kind of, Zombies spilling out, and this kind of, you know, kind of yeah. reanimated corpses falling out of it. It was absolutely like post-apocalyptic at this point.
0: Yeah, the the army have flooded in through the hole that Grant made and is shooting down the zombies. Yep. In amongst all this, um, we have Cat and Jodie Marsh and Phil and Grant Mitchell. Um, they look to the side. They all kind of. Uh, I like the idea that Cat and Jodie Marsh have made up over uh eviscerating ian bill yeah and that they are going to basically get off with phil and grant and the four of them look to one side and you know at the end of return of jedi we looked and see the force ghosts yeah instead they see a completely naked frank (laughs) butcher with pat big mo and peggy mitchell um and maybe yeah i like the idea they just vanish like they dissolve away um, as if they were magic all along, and, and you see this
1: like, what? Of the distance. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and then Doc comes out, was like, Oh, I told you, um, and lights a cigarette on a burning corpse. Um, yeah, and then she takes a big puff and we freeze frame on that. Brilliant, as the credits roll.
1: Can I roll back a little bit as well? Is it, Go is for it, part, I... like, part, part of the action scene. So, basically, like. Fairbrass has got the upper hand and he's twatting Phil Mitchell all over the place. And Phil Mitchell, every time he gets punched, he's going, Oh, can't, can't, can't. And then literally just Fairbrass hits him. And then Phil Mitchell kind of falls into this open container. But this open container, it's basically just like um, whiskey bottles. And he just falls into the whiskey bottles. But it's near like, you know, in some action films where they've got like a live wire that's flipping about all over the place and sparks are coming off it. That's there, and that the sparks light onto the um, hmm. onto the spilt whiskey. I mean, instead of like catching fire, it basically just like has a Bennett effect on Phil, and he just gets all this electricity and whiskey poured all over him, and he just stands up and just goes and just twats Fairbrass.
0: That's it. I think he should. Um, because I was going to say earlier when you said about him pissing fire, I like the idea of him being able to be set alight, but not harm him. You know, like yeah. when you when you set light to a Christmas pudding and it doesn't burn it. Like yeah. that, and I like the idea he can breathe fire because his breath is just like ninety percent proof. <laughs> yeah, so he's gonna breathe fire on Fairbrass. Yeah, and torch him, and he torches Sharon as well because he knows that to to truly let her go, he must burn her alive with fire breath.
1: Well, not only does he know he's he's gonna get on cats later later on, um, he's also like there's another scene when he uh he turns around before we go to the finale, and then Ian um, Beale's mum, what's she called? Kathy. Um, she's like, all right, Phil, how you doing? He's like, And he kind of raises his eyebrow at the camera and just yeah. to say, I'm fine, don't worry about me.
0: Now, post-credit sequence. We cut to uh, Marbella or some shit. We're on the beach. Dirty Den's been wheeled out there in his iron lung. He's on the beach. He's a bit red because, obviously, the sun just directly goes onto him. Um, and but he's enjoying his son. He's like, Well, you know what, that didn't go well, and my daughter died, but you know, shit happens. And then the sun is blocked, he looks up, there uh are the Mitchell brothers, Jody Marsh and Cat Slater, all in beachware, and he's like um uh aloe princess, and then just punches towards the camera and it goes black, Amazing. And then that's the end.
1: Can we have another post where we set up yep. a sequel? Yes. Um, either, I've got two things for you, either like the Queen Vic smouldering and the firefighters are there putting it out and, uh, you know, kind of Phil Mitchell is there. It's like, oh, well, that's an insurance job, is it? What else could go wrong to it? And then the ground opens up and Dracula's castle appears. <laughs> <laughs> or... Um, <laughs> Or like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go. On. Or I think I've I've put the bar quite high there. Or um, at the docks, another container ship comes in, and uh, it's uh looking at over the smouldering wreck of Albert Square. It's like um, is it Larry Lamb who played Archie Mitchell? He's like, yeah. He's like, right, the amateurs had a go. Now nah, it's my turn.
0: Yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> Can we just have loads of? post credit sequences some of which contradict each other some of which make no sense because yeah. I like the idea that, that firemen also discover in the wreckage Queen Victoria yeah and she's like hello and they're like oh uh? and then then Dracula's castle comes out <laughs> out yeah. of the ground <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then uh, another post credit sequence where Frank is setting down and can Raiden appear I've got a mission for you, and he starts firing lightning out of his hands. He, <laughs> Frank, Butcher, Frank Butcher's like wallop, because yeah. I want to do a spin-off with Frank Butcher in the Mortal Kombat tournament. Yeah, uh, and it ends with like someone going wallop him. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's just um, his character. He's got he's he's got no trousers on, big white pants those kind of suspender things, hold your socks up, a leather jacket and a hat.
0: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
1: Uh we have another credit sequence where aliens, you have aliens in there? Yeah. EastEnders versus Predator.
0: I think Doc. yeah, Dot Doc Cotton's looking at her, she's got out of the back of the laundrette, she's actually got this like witch's kind of cavern She's looking in a crystal ball. She's like, there's something odd on the horizon. And then the three red dots appear on her head and blow her head up.
1: Yeah. Oh, (laughs) Phil Mitchell versus the Predator. Yeah. Yeah. There's gold there.
0: They're just like, I like the idea that they just think, well, we don't know if we're going to get sequel. It's just throw as many fucking ideas into the credits (laughs) as we can. And one of them might take.
1: the Predator look and scan Albert Square and it finds Phil Mitchell. And you know, it's like a heat map. He yeah. just just goes really red.
0: <laughs> He's, oh, and his <laughs> eyes melt. <laughs> um, And another credit sequence. <laughs> they're in the arches and they uh, open up the door on one of the arches slightly down from the garage and they open it up and they're like, oh my God. And it cuts to, you know, the warehouse at the end of Razor's Lost Ark. Yeah. That's on Albert Square, and the Ark of the Covenant is there, and starts to vibrate and burn, and yeah, um, perfect. Uh, Minty's face melts.
1: <laughs> every 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 post credit scene ends with Minty on fire <laughs> or melting.
0: Now, I would say we, you know, I mean, if we wanted to go onto merchandise for this, I mean, we could have a field day. Who wouldn't want a Queen Vic, an exploding Queen Vic action playset? Oh my god! You know. Who wouldn't want a Phil Mitchell action figure?
1: I think a Phil Mitchell action figure. However, I think it we're going to go in the the eighties craze of you know, like Phil Mitchell ran the car lot and the arches. So mm. he's very much a car man. Basically, Phil Mitchell action figure starts off as a car and he transforms into oh, Phil Mitchell.
0: Can Can each of the figures have a, an ill fitting? 80s toy gimmick so phil mitchell's transformer just before we we came on here i was showing off my miniature collection of supernaturals figures which are essentially figures action figures but the the face and body um are a hologram sticker so i like the idea that grant mitchell is like that he's just a, a hologram like you take the front of him off and there's a Grant Mitchell hologram em- under
1: empty inside. <laughs> He's empty inside. There's nothing yet. inside him. Yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: I think but... Sharon Mitchell, do you know what I think she should be like? Do you remember the Ghostbusters figures that look oh. normal and you pull yeah. the tongue down and it turns into a yeah. monster? She's
0: yeah. like that. Okay, do you remember uh, Boglins? Yes. You put your hand in. That's Peggy Mitchell. It's just yeah. Barbara, a, a rubberized Barbara Windsor face that you put your hand inside and operate the mouth.
1: Yeah, can I, Pat, I mean, can Pat Butcher like glow in the dark, but when you it's just horrendous, it's horrific. It's yeah, like, he's um, basically naked, it's just this horrendous see through. Like, <laughs> oh my god,
0: uh, Craig Fairbrass is like Stretch Armstrong.
1: I think he should be battle damaged as well. You know, like some figures, oh yeah, like battle damage, Craig Fairbrass.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they're 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 all. And none of them are the same scale or Out. none of them fit in the vehicles or the play sets. Um, yeah. And then the video game, um, you know, there's just there's just too much. It's it's just a gold mine. I mean, I think uh, personally, I think if we, if we wanted to, we could sit down and just make a, a second podcast where we just talk for the rest of our lives about EastEnders and action. Yep. Because there is a version where we do a Hollywood version and we recast everyone. You know, there is maybe, a version. Maybe where we'll
1: if, come back to that as another pick. I think. Put a pin uh, in that one.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly, as much as what we've done is excellent work, I think we can both agree, and everyone out there can agree, we've we've really, we've really done a, a thorough job here. I still feel oddly unsatisfied by it all. And yeah. I don't think that's because what we've come up with isn't the best amazing film ever made. I think there's just so much ground. So I think, sorry, everyone, we haven't scratched that itch. We're going to come back to this and yeah. possibly pitch an, an all-star A-list version.
1: A Hollywood of... reboot of East EastEnders. Yes.
0: I think. Yeah. Yes. East LA Enders. Yeah. Justice, 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 justice. 101. 101. 101. 101. 101. If we uh, return to Justice One Hundred and One for just a brief second, are there lessons to be learnt from Avengement, or do we want to learn our lessons from uh, EastEnders' Savage Apocalypse?
1: I think I think I've got a lesson from Avengement. Go on. I think if you want to, you know, dish out justice, but you need to be mentally and physically prepared to it, go to prison for a few years and just make sure you get the utter shit beaten out of you. Mm.
0: Yeah, prison's Prisons uh, a great learning environment. It's real education. It is uh, the
1: School of Hard Knocks. If it is. It's School of Hard Knocks. Oh,
0: I'll um, write that down as a potential title for a film. School of Hard Knocks. Um, yeah, I think... Um, and I, I really think about it in terms of Skykin's like character and that kind of, you know, wearing those scars on your face, and those metal teeth, and draw a parallel with Grant Mitchell's armour plate car. I think there you No, know, armour plate is really useful. I think uh, you should armour plate your house, armour plate your bicycle, armour plate your, your car, just anything you can, you know weld some metal to do it
1: yourself just it yourself just yeah it always
0: it's always looks better it's always practical and it's always going to come in handy especially against a you know the theme of today and that is angry cockneys Yep. i think in this time of great need we have acted very much like key workers like one of the you know, an additional emergency service. Um, yeah. I don't know about you, but when people were outside clapping, I just took that as reward for us and what we're oh, doing.
1: Yeah, I bowed. I said, uh, "Thank you, thank I you." I was like,
0: "No, no, please don't." Um, and you know, if anyone was to dispute that, and they did quite aggressively, um,
1: I think that nurse got quite angry with you, didn't she?
0: <laughs> yeah. When I when I went into the hospital and demanded that they clap for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> clap for
0: me! Um, but I think all they need to do is listen to this podcast and uh, th- their minds will be changed. We have done sterling work here. We have. Today. We have. Yeah. Um, if for no other reason than uh, a future science fiction movie about a limbo police officer with the tagline... That's one bent (laughs) cough.
1: I think we Uh, might have to make that a full pitch. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we may have, we may have, we, that might be our best work. Um, So, as always, uh, it's been a pleasure. um, I think more of a pleasure that we can't be in a room with you. We're not doing this live. We don't have to look at your faces or listening to your sniffling or whatever. Um, We, you know, we, we're here the way we like it in a, in a, a void of human interaction and Um, you
1: know what before we go you better be fucking clapping for us better be fucking clapping